You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. It's August 3rd, 2023, and this is the PHP Ugly Podcast, episode 346. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. We are a weekly podcast that's focused on PHP, the PHP programming language, and the PHP community. And we are three real-world people who make our living with PHP. We stream every Thursday night around 9 p.m., and you can catch our show live. Not only can you catch our show live, but you can be part of the show by joining us in our Discord at discord.phpugly.com. The show's made a little better thanks to a couple sponsors, PHP Storm and HoneyBadger.io, as well as our very good friends and supporters on Patreon. And we're going to talk about all those people a little later. But for now, I am one of your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, and joining me tonight, he prefers to use the flow B when he manscapes, John Congdon. How did you know about my flow B? And the coding king B of the Colorado Springs, Tom Up. Hello. 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 How's everybody? Sorry, John. I told him about your flow B. He wasn't upset that I knew about his manscaping, but you know. The fact that he used a flow beat seemed like Why would I care? Why would I care about that? <laughs> yeah, everyone's got to trim a little bit. <laughs> All right. Already already taken that one a little too far. How's everybody doing? <laughs> that, I think that might have been the longest intro yet. My part or the just the yeah. general music leading it's up? It's his show. No. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah, no, your part. No, 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 no. That is definitely <laughs> not the longest. Trust me. I, I, I have gone a good solid couple minutes in intros in the past. So, uh, mm. yeah. Your, your, kid is, your kid is relating to you on your NPC love last week. Gang, gang. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. What do you. This is, this is the type of crap I got to put up with. This is what my dog is chewing on so that I give her a treat. That's perfect for the audio listeners. They know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. No. Garbage. You're garbage. What? What? I'm sorry. A little little punchy tonight. All right. How was your week, Tom? Oh, boy. Uh, You ever just have one of those weeks where nothing that's supposed to be easy ends up being easy and just goes back and forth from testing to change to testing to change. Yes, I have. Yeah. So I had an interesting task this week is we're changing up some of our social media links, some of our icons and got it done. Uh, last got this done last week, actually uh, pushed out for uh, testing and review and going over our sprint board today. I realized, Hey, one of our social media icons is now incorrect because of some brain-dead asshole. So I have to pull the ticket and replace the stupid icon, which requires mm-hmm. updating Font Awesome, which requires the front-end team. So Not, not to go 
not so to much. get too far off uh, off here because we're just getting started. But did you hear what the newest perk for uh, blue subscribers is? Oh, what DMing people directly? No, no. You would think you would think no, no, no. It's something that is one str- of the perks now. Stronger now, something even stronger. So, I have a uh, Twitter blue subscription for the magazine, and the big thing that. It initially did is you basically bought a blue check mark. I mean, that's why everybody yeah. jumped on board. Well, now the latest feature for Twitter blue subscribers is you can now hide that check mark. <laughs> <laughs> I, you I not, had not heard this. I kid you not. Uh, I I actually went and Ooh. looked on the on the PHP Architect uh, handle, and yep, yep, sure enough, sure enough, it is. Actually, a toggle switch you can click to hide your blue check mark. <laughs> See, and now the next version of the feature is show your blue check mark to people who have blue check marks, but hide it to people who don't have. Oh blue my mark. god, you are a genius! Yes, that's exactly. That's the exactly point, of it. the point of it is to hide it from people who aren't paying for it. Yes, yes, you should work for uh, X. Uh, not a chance in hell. <laughs> I literally would never and then get fired on my first day. You would rather work in the porn industry than work for X. Wait a minute. I would no. I would rather work in banking. <laughs> That's how awful it is. <clears throat> how about you, John? How was your week? Oh my god. Where do you even start? Well, um, usually on Monday. Did it really start on Monday though? Um no, my week overall was good. However, I released a new thing, a new feature. Uh, we use Firebase a lot in an application. Uh, switch into maybe another service, kind of like that. But everything is built off of channels. And you want your users to only be able to read their data. The, uh, the thing I released was we had an issue in our CI environment, even though it was a separate Firebase instance, they all use the same one. So there was race condition. If two environments were building at the same time, running tests, you might get messages back from uh, from the queue that really weren't meant for you in that environment. So I'm like, I got it. I'm a genius. I'm going to prefix everything with the environment you're in. Seems harmless enough, except for the fact when the front end I forgot the front end was hard coded to the original path. <laughs> so the back end's writing to the proper place. Everything that relies on just back end stuff was working fine. So all my tests were fine, except for, you know, the important stuff. <laughs> the, the funny part was, like I said, we're kind of replacing Firebase. So we have a, a proof of concept piece of code that we've been working on for a couple weeks. And Working with somebody this morning, they're telling me all of a sudden it stopped working. After some time, I realized it's got to be related to this because I did the same thing in that new service. But we ran out of time in debugging it because he was off for the afternoon. And because it was proof of concept, uh, the, the client came back and said, this is low priority. Don't even think about it right now. Put it off. Forget about it. Okay. So I move on. Working on something else. Completely separate issue. Somebody contacts me and is like, 
hey, I'm having trouble getting this to work in CI. Turns out, same exact problem that I was able to solve. And it just, it took forever to figure out exactly what was happening, why. And then I start down the rabbit hole of, I need to make the the string dynamic in all the JavaScript files. So I, I touched over 15 files and it still wasn't working. <laughs> so I, I ended up, what happened was in my debugging, when I was trying to figure something out, I put uh, the prefix to the channel in the URL. So it was basically duplicated between the URL and the, the channel name. Turns out that 15 file PR was really just a single file. Done, easy. Easy peasy. <laughs> you are muted, Eric, if you were talking. Am I muted now? Nope. Now I can hear you. Oh, weird. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that, that's... we. I, so I think uh, a couple weeks ago... Well, I, I told you about my journey on um, kind of troubleshooting an issue one of our developers were, were having with... A, a, at the time, it was an established API endpoint, and then I turned around and um, we were, worked with him to get things working. And we, so we tweaked. this is the this is the one you were they were posting a file, an image file to in a refactor. They couldn't get that working again, so then you switched it to base sixty four encoding. Not exactly, no. So <clears> the <throat> the API endpoint originally accepted a file, and this mm-hmm. this. This worked, right? This is how it always was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the developer was developing a new application, and instead of uploading a file, they decided to upload, just do a base64, because a, a lot of it had to do with um, storing the way you have to store the file on the phone to then upload that. Find, and then you have to find that file, then upload that file. It, oh, it, it was There was some complexity there. We we are also using um, we're also using CouchDB with this environment and getting the the file to store in CouchDB is a little bit you know not not as straightforward as as just storing text. So he had gotten the idea to go with Base64, which is it was kind of goofy because. Initially, I was like, "Why did you think this would just work? Like, it was, it was, this was never in scope. Like, we never <laughs> discussed this. I'm not sure why you thought this would work, but uh, I, you know, I'd done some coding, got it working. I'd gone to Laracon and was getting all these reports that there were these issues. There were these issues. There were these issues. I'm like, all right. So I'm like, just you know, let me get back to it. And last week, I'd gotten back to it, and uh, we got it working again. But the, I never explained to you what the issue was. And the issue was actually very kind of silly. Um, <clears throat> so the API backend is base64. Jeez, uh, base64, no. The API backend is Laravel. And I had developed that backend, um, and I did it, quote-unquote, the Laravel way. And it's funny because you kind of make fun of that saying the Laravel way, and it holds true with any framework you use, right? If you're using a framework, it's ideal that you code the way that framework expects you to code. Even though it's all PHP and you could do things other ways, if there's a way to do it 
using the tools within the framework, you should probably do that. Right. So as we're tro- as they were troubleshooting this this endpoint issue while I was I don't know if it's while I was gone or before I left or I don't know when it happened exactly. Time has no meaning here. But why why there other developers touched the code base and what it ended up happening is um so what was weird first off to give everybody kind of a little credit here it worked locally like everybody who loaded this application up locally everything worked so it's like okay why doesn't it work when we deploy to the server what's different and this is one of those scenarios where we have the Docker file that we use when we deploy. So we knew that the Docker file that's being ran is the same that's deployed, right? Okay. So this doesn't make any sense. Like, why is it not working? And long story short, too late, I know. But <laughs> it ended up being a thing. It ended up being a problem because uh, we were using. In, pr- in production, we were using S3 storage, and when the person who wrote the who, who came in and wrote code behind me, so, since they didn't do it the Laravel way using the storage facade, they just did it using straight PHP, thinking, "Oh yeah, I know where this file is being stored. I saw the path, you know, earlier in the code when Eric stored it." but I use the storage facade. So they were trying to then get that file using just straight PHP, which you know you would think made sense. But the issue was in the .env file in production, it said, hey, we're using S3 for this disk. So that's where everything's happening is out in S3. And the other code didn't take that into consideration. So I couldn't <laughs> find the file because the file wasn't there. It wasn't locally stored. And it was just like, that took a, that took a good amount of time to troubleshoot because I'm like, I don't understand. Like it works <laughs> everywhere else, but there. So that was fun. So, so locally the storage facade is using the file system mm-hmm. when they did it the PHP way. It was fine. Right. Gotcha. Yeah, so so yeah, the, the local .env file was all using local disk, and yeah, everything everything seemed to work correctly, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah it worked correctly. So yeah, it it was uh, Frank was there. Yeah, Frank was part of it. Uh, no, uh, no, Frank, that actually wasn't the issue. Look, see, I, why, what am I doing here, Frank? No, Frank, that wasn't the issue. The Frank, the issue was it was being stored on S three. Frank thought that which. I originally said as well, I thought that the in, in Laravel, you have an option to create a sim link in your public directory to your storage file to store stuff. Also, it's publicly accessible. Right. And I'm like, well, that's got to be the problem, right? That's That storage link must not be happening because I, I just create that myself when I do applications. And in the um, our, our other uh, ops person i guess i don't uh went ahead and created it so that he's like oh, all right so now when we do deployments the the link will work it'll be created and it still wasn't working and that's when i'm like all right there's something going on here and that's yeah we we kind of drilled down on it 
fun, fun stuff. And, and this is really highlights the whole challenges with like developing microservices or even mobile applications that consume microservices because there's like just so many areas that something could go wrong. It's like, all right, whose code isn't actually working? Is it the is it the mobile application that's actually not working? Because the mobile developer is pretty sure everything's coded correctly and it should be working. And it's like, all right, is it the back end that's not working? It's just there's just so many pieces to this. The is why you're not allowed to take vacations or be away from work. <laughs> no. Just the way it's it's just, just the way it is. Plug in and just stay plugged in. <laughs> I, you can't get hit by a bus if you don't leave the office. There you go. <laughs> now you understand. Well, I get it. It's uh, all coming very clear. You know what else is very clear? What is that? How much we like PHP Storm. And I don't know where that commercial is anymore. Did I, did I delete that commercial? And it's a terrible one to begin with, but I'm not ready any other way. Is this it? tools that we use as PHP developers. I want to thank JetBrains and PHP Storm for sponsoring. Uh, PHP Storm is a cutting-edge IDE tailored for PHP and web developers. If you haven't used it before or it's been a while since you've last tried it, now's the perfect time to check it out again because it has received significant performance improvements and an expanded feature set. Curious to see if it's the right fit for you? Head over to www.jetbrains.com slash phpstorm to learn more and try it out with a 30-day free trial. Code smarter, not harder. Thank <laughs> you, JetBrains. Ooh, PHP Storm. JetBrains, PHP Storm. You know, that was a sponsor of the show. There's some new features. Yeah. The the Just before we started the show, uh, 2023.2 dropped. So... Uh, a long-awaited feature I've been looking for got added, which is text search in Search Everywhere. So if you hit double shift, you you get the Search Everywhere dialog. Mm-hmm. And now you can search within files from the Search Everywhere dialog. Hmm. Uh, so, so so whatever file you're on, it'll it'll search in there? No, no. It searches the whole code base. Wow, that seems like a lot for that double double shift I, and I, I know about the double shift but i never use it because it's like i know my shortcuts for opening a file searching files searching classes like i don't i haven't used that's search that's my shortcut for everything that's my shortcut for opening files and searching classes and finding methods <clears throat> all right i'm gonna have to give that a shot again no don't why i mean i i, I use it when i can't find something i use i'll i'll use it because i'm like okay you know, JetBrains AI, like, where is that? You know, and it, it'll pop up instead of me reaching for my mouse and clicking around menus to try to find it. That's that's what I'll do. But in general, you are the one that, that actually broke me of that habit. I, I used yeah. to use the shift shift all the time. I didn't even realize there was another there were there were other options, but yeah, don't don't do that. It's it's yeah. mean to your machine. Well, I've I've been using it all week because obviously it's better than VS code. And uh, the problem I'm having is Git. Really? Yeah. I don't don't use it for Git. I I was about to say, I started using it with pull requests and code review lately, and it's phenomenal. 
So that's the big thing in the the newest release today is that it now has support for Bitbucket pull requests and features and stuff like that. No. Uh, so instead of just GitHub, it now works for people who, for some reason, use Bitbucket. I've never understood why so many companies I've worked for use Bitbucket. So wait they, a minute. Uh, um, are, are you saying that that Bitbucket is baked in? I'm saying that functionality to interact with Bitbucket is now baked in. Because so. I, I don't think I don't think the functionality to manage pull requests for GitHub is part of the base install. I think that's an extension you install. A, a plugin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, I didn't even know it was a thing. Uh, again, Frank uh, on our team in, oh, in sure. our Discord showed it to me. And I'm like, all right, I really need to start looking at using this and then and then and then I don't I don't <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry here I've it's it's not bitbuckets it's gitlab integration well well, well well same same thing right if get, and I that I was actually about to say I wonder when they'll support gitlabs uh but yeah I mean same same thing if managing pull requests is part of the of the core install that would be su- surprising. I mean, I guess it's not bad. I just well, you would think they would start with GitHub, not GitLab. Yeah. And, and yeah. correct me if I'm wrong. Anybody, Frank or John, maybe you know if maybe it is part of the maybe GitHub is part of the core install. Yeah, I just I, I believe you're right. I, I have the plugin installed. I yeah. believe that GitLab is the generic like API for GitHub, Bitbucket, like all of those things. And so okay. that's why the integration is is starting there, because kind, it's kind of like just everybody catch. Yeah, everybody everybody adheres to AWS S three API endpoints. So like DigitalOcean Spaces, you can use AWS S three clients because they all adhere to the same right um, standards. So yeah. the the GitHub it is a plugin, but it is bundled with PHP Storm now. Oh, interesting. Really? Wow. Okay. Which is probably what exactly what this GitLabs one is. Everything is plugins. It just comes with it by default. So, I mean, seriously, Vim, PHP Storm. I mean, why not just just make that part of the just core? bundle it? Yeah. Just bundle it. Come on. <laughs> <sighs> oh, you know, I, I didn't can tell you. Um, speaking of PHP Storm, I know they're they're little segues or their commercials seem to segue into much longer conversations. I had switched from Vim to NeoVim a very long time ago. And somebody in our Discord said, hey, did you know there's a plugin for PHP Storm and NeoVim that gives NeoVim PHP Storm's engine? So everything that happens, everything your PHP Storm can do you can do in NeoVim. I'm like, all right, let me check that out. And I checked it out. I'm like, yeah, okay, this looks kind of cool. And I install it, and it like it just doesn't work, right? Of course, isn't I install that it. Just, in- isn't that just Vim bindings in PHP Storm? I Mm-mm-mm. so you're not you're not understanding. This is actually going the other way. Right. This is okay. NeoVim being able to leverage 
autocomplete, IntelliSense, all that stuff that's in PHP Storm in NeoVim. So if you're a NeoVim person, you just fire up your JetBrains IDE, in my case it's PHP Storm, and then you do your work in NeoVim, and it's like you have all that functionality, which I have said in the past, and I will say again, I would pay JetBrains to develop a NeoVim extension, plugin, package. Not that I have any issue with PHP Storm. I've been using it religi- religiously for, for like every day now for since before tech. So I have no issue with that. But you guys would be awesome to create like an actual JetBrains NeoVim. Actually, the, the probably the better way to go is uh, server, uh, language server. So create a language server that we can tie into from our NeoVim configuration. You guys would be awesome. But anyways, anyways, I, I'm getting off track. You guys, you guys are getting me off track. So I try this. I'm like, all right, everything seems to be working. Like everything says it's connected, but I'm not really noticing any different, like anything different. All my code completions are the same and like nothing seems to be happening. And the other thing was that uh, your PHP storm was supposed to update in real time as well. So they, if you ever do switch from NeoVim to PHP Storm, typically, if you edit a PHP Storm file outside of PHP Storm, when you open up, when you click over to PHP Storm, it takes a second to kind of pull in all those changes, which is fine. I mean, it's kind of to be expected, but but with this plugin, supposedly that you didn't have to worry about that, and, and I wasn't seeing that. So I'm like, okay, this doesn't seem to work. I, I, I whatever. I, I don't really need it, so I'm not too worried about it. And I, I just moved on. Well, now rewind back when I was helping our mobile developer uh, figure out the issues with this application that they were having. I was doing this JavaScript stuff, which was weird. But no, I was doing JavaScript and PHP Storm said, hey, you know what? You may be better served using WebStorm for these sort of projects. I'm like, hey, yeah, you know, I got WebStorm because I have the whole suite. I pay for the whole suite. So I'm like, ah, I got WebStorm. I, I never really understood what the difference was, but sure, I'll fire up WebStorm. So I fire up WebStorm and because I'm lazy, I just import all my extensions and stuff because I wanted my Vim bindings and WebStorms. So I import all my extensions and everything. And I forget what happened, but uh, so I have WebStorm running and I start to do some coding in NeoVim on the project. I don't know why I had switched over. I just naturally gravitate to NeoVim a lot. So I'm doing stuff and I'm noticing, I'm like, wait, what is, what is this, all this auto-completion? Like, Wait, what's happening right now? I'm like, I'm like, did I install something I don't remember installing? It was working. That bridge, it's it's called like a I think I forget what it's called. I think it's called like NeoVim Bridge or something. That bridge was working for that IDE. And I went back later and looked at the actual repo and it says, Hey, I know this works for WebStorm and I forget what else. There was like two or three other things that other IDEs that they knew it worked, JetBrain IDEs that they knew it worked with. And he basically says, so I assume it works for all of them. <laughs> like, well, it doesn't work for PHP Storm, but... So, yeah. 
it, it was actually this bridge was actually working, and I've got to be honest, it was freaking cool. Now, I don't know JavaScript very well, and so my coding ability was very limited what I was doing. But when I realized what was happening, I opened up the editor side by side, and as I was typing in the of them, my little web web storm was typing as well. It was very cool. Now, now I want it for PHP Storm. Like now, it's like no, no, I want this to work now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's my ramble. That's my ramble for this week. Eric, do you want to talk about the uh, the thing I brought up in in Slack? Feature articles. Your OnlyFans. Oh, feature articles. Sure. Yeah. 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 Sure, yeah. I mean, we can talk about my OnlyFans. Yeah. Which Which one do you want to talk about? Let's get feature articles this week. We'll we'll talk about right. only things next week. All right, fair, fair. Just a little tease for next week, you know. <laughs> um, Trust me, it's a little tease. <laughs> what a <laughs> Eric had a great idea this week. We're always looking for feature articles for. The oh, wait, 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 wait. Are we are we doing what I, what I suggested? I that's what I asked you in Slack. How? I just I just thought you were going. I thought we were going to ask for feature article contributors. No. Okay, yeah. Now I'm excited. I'm like, sure, we can try <laughs> to get feature article contributors, whatever. But yes, do it, do it, do the thing, no. say the thing. Do what it. is happening? All right. Normally, we pay for feature articles. Not any. No, just kidding. Um. <laughs> <laughs> now you pay us. Uh. We are excited. Last week, we announced the dates of PHP Tech, April 23rd through the 25th, 2024. Um, what Eric came up with, what I thought was a great idea, we, we want feature articles, and we're willing, instead of paying cash, we will give you a ticket to PHP Tech instead. So if you would like a mm. free ticket to PHP Tech, write us a good article. has to be accepted. We have to approve it. You know, Publish all it. the normal stuff, but rules that rules, that rules. that is an option now. You you could choose cash or a ticket to PHP Tech 2024. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very very excited about that. I thought that was we're, a great idea. We're actually trying to come up with more ways for people to get tickets to PHP Tech. So you know, hopefully, we'll have some more ideas. The biggest idea we have is have your work pay for it. It's a uh, it's usually a good way to do this. <laughs> That's a very good way. <laughs> and if you have All a right. team of developers, let me know. We can work something out. Bring out the whole team. Uh, uh, yeah. Last year, Foamburner brought their entire team. They they sponsored PHP Tech, brought the entire team. So they, as a team, went to various talks, whatever they wanted to, had great discussions around it, and then took that Friday. They got a conference room at the hotel and spent the entire day just, I mean, had a whole schedule of, you know, from this time to this time, we're going to talk about the presentations we went to, what we thought about the conference, you know, was it worth it? Of course, the answer was yes. Uh, and then just, you know, it was a day around team building slash how are we going to take what we learned and make the company better? If you have a company that has a team that you want to bring to PHP Tech and you would like a conference room on Friday, let me know. We can work something out. It's a great, great way to extend the conference, but make it business oriented where 
You can still do team building. You can still, you know, improve your product quickly. So in our Discord, Sevi asks, would we consider a article from a hobby programmer? I'm not sure why you would think we would not consider that, but absolutely we would consider that. Uh, there is I no, like... a good article, man. There's no requirements. I mean, PHP developers, not all PHP developers get paid to be a PHP developer. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. If you have a good article idea... And feel free to reach out to uh, John and I. We have uh, a couple of email addresses you can use to do that. But um, and bounce the ideas off us. Or, or if you're in our Discord, like uh, you are, Sevi, uh, ping us in the Discord. We'll be more than happy to to talk to you there as well. But, but yes, absolutely, 100%. You don't have to be a professional PHP developer. Uh, you have to be to... passionate. You have to care about what you're writing, write something interesting, write on a topic, use it as a learning tool. If you're learning something new, take the opportunity to learn even more because you're going to share knowledge with other people. It's a great opportunity to do that as well. I, in fact, am learning something new and uh, thinking about writing an article for uh, PHP Architect as well. That would be fantastic. the, The only requirements we have is it needs to be 2,500 words or more. 2,500 and 3,500 is kind of the sweet spot. Um, 2,500 is very easy to hit, Tom. Trust me, once you start once you start writing out an article, 2,500 you can hit pretty, pretty easily. Uh, but yeah, 2,500 to 3,500, uh, anything over 3,500, then John and I have to kind of figure out, okay, is this going to be a multi-part article or are we going to have one big article? If you have a big article, don't hesitate to submit it. We'll handle that on our side. Oh, yeah. No, if I had a big article, I'd be showing it to everyone. <laughs> if uh, if you really want to be kind, um, we we accept, we, we prefer markdown when you submit. And if you can run it through something like Grammarly to do, to you know, just kind of do a grammar check on all your stuff. Uh, it just makes the pipeline on our end move a lot faster because that's what we end up doing. We end up putting everything through Grammarly and and checking it checking it out. Yeah. So yeah, look at look at it. Yeah, you know my thing lately, as you guys know, has been setting up uh, this sort of home server rack thing, doing lots of uh, fun things with Proxmox and Pihole and virtual services, uh, Portainer. So. Uh, be interested in uh, teaching people how to run a home staging server that is treated like a completely isolated server from the rest of your network and uh, using it for any number of staging environments that you would want to spin up. So you're talking about for like, for like a work situation where you, you, you want to have a staging or for a contractor or a hobbyist. Right, right, right. You know, right. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of reasons where you would want to have a server that's just in an isolated state. Um, one of the things you can do with Proxmox is have templates. So you could actually schedule it to whenever there's a new branch pushed out to your project, spin up a copy of that branch from one of your templates and start hosting it. So you could just pull it up and start testing it from a staging environment right away. So so you you mean like um 
So when when you say isolated, do you mean like what what do we used to call that in Unix jail? DMZ'd. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It would it would be it's it would be either a DMZ or uh, a VPS. Okay. Uh, you know, a lot of different things about it, but uh, it used to be know. Chiru. Is that what you're thinking of? No, I, I was actually thinking more of uh, when you when you used a shared host and you they would create accounts for you. Oh, sandboxed. You it wasn't sandboxed. It was called like jailed or something or some some jailed account. I forget what it's called. Uh, yeah, you... I, know, I know what you're talking about. But those days are dead. Thank God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are dead. Having servers in your house days are dead. Wait, no. <laughs> can you, Eric? You need to tell your kids to listen because I. Just a couple minutes ago, said the dates of PHP Tech for next year, but I will repeat it: April twenty third through the twenty fifth, twenty twenty four. Back in Chicago, back at the uh, what Sheraton. you call it, Sheraton Suites. Yep, O'Hara Sheraton Suites. So looking forward to it. Contracts have been signed, so this is happening again. Apparently, <laughs> we're very excited. No, we are. We're we're excited about it. Uh, that's a better. That's a better take than wave. Because after wave, the immediate response was, "We're never ever doing this ever again." <laughs> that was John's response. I was I was down, man. I I could have kept going. Just couldn't afford to keep going, but I I could have kept going. <laughs> John's response was very physical as well. <laughs> yeah, wave tried to kill me. So, yeah. <laughs> No, I'm good. Not again. <laughs> I, I I keep saying it. I'll continue to say it. Still one of my favorite conferences. I think. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. Things Fun. People people have not been able to duplicate. But you know who you know who we need to get the sponsor, PHP Tech. Honey Badger. Honey Badger. Honey Badger. Yes. You weren't just busy, busy like finding the video as he lined it up for you like that. No, I actually decided I wasn't playing the video this week because I, uh, I talk about having a free. They have a free tier, and they don't have a free tier anymore. No, but, they don't. Uh, it's not expensive. I looked it up, and it's I believe fifteen dollars. Uh, is it fifteen dollars a month or? Boy, let me pull that real quick. So, so, so nineteen per month. Like PHP Storm, we have always said that if you're a professional developer or you have a business that depends on your development, use PHP Storm. But to monitor that, use HoneyBadger.io. We use HoneyBadger. We've used HoneyBadger here before we were PHP Architect, back when we were Diego Dev, well before they sponsored us. We used Honey Badger. Now we've continued to expand our usage of Honey Badger, and we have a fairly uh, and we don't get a break. No, no, we don't. We don't get a break. <laughs> we don't have any uh, discount code, not discount code, uh, referral, referral codes, codes. like that uh, for either one of our sponsors. I mean, there's no way for them to tell that that you got to their site through us. You uh, could you could tweet to them and, and thank them for sponsoring the show. Or, or mastodonum. The, the, toot, toot, toot. What is that? Toot. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> mentioned they should uh, become sponsors of PHP Tech. Is it not tweet anymore? What What's the, what is, Just what do they call an X? Post. Just post? A post. Well, that's original. So, Honey Badger does have a 30 day free trial. 
Uh, yeah, they have a 30-day free trial, and if you're an open-source project or a nonprofit, uh, they want you to email them. Uh, they will be accommodating. One of the really cool things about Honey Badger that I have run into as a problem recently on other services is overages. Uh, they have a, a great policy of uh, they'll process 125% of your limit if you're on a limited account, and uh, you can enable overage billing so that they just they don't just shut you off uh they bill you at something around three hundredths of a cent for a message <laughs> yeah three thousand sorry three thousandths of a cent three hundredths and, of a cent whatever so and we've said we've said it before uh I think somebody just just now said it actually the the people at honey badgers i o are, are super friendly reach out to them with questions con- you know issues that you're having. They're very responsive. They're very engaging. Uh, good people over there. So check them out. What does Honey Badger do? We might not have explained that, but it does a lot. It does application monitoring, so you can have it uh, watch your error logs and check for issues within your application. It does uptime monitoring. It does cron job monitoring. And the cool thing about it is it integrates with everything. It integrates with Slack, uh, SMS, uh, just a bunch of stuff. But uh, the cool thing about it is if you set it up correctly, a lot of times you can find out about problems your application's having before anybody else finds out about them and even fix them before anybody has a chance to open up a ticket uh, that there's an issue. So check out Honey Badger if you have a need for monitoring and you should monitor your deployed applications. I don't care how good of a developer you think you are. You want to monitor your deployed applications, and Honey Badger kind of brings everything to the table: application monitoring, cron job monitoring. Uh, what else did I say? There was something else. Uh, uptime uh, monitoring, status. Uptime pages. monitoring. And yeah. Oh, that's the licenses. other thing. You can have a status page, so you can define what you're monitoring for uptime, and then tell Honey Badger, "Hey, I want a public status page." that shows the availability of these services. And, and if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I played with it. You don't have to say, oh, everything I'm doing uptime monitoring on, I want to be on my status page. You say, hey, I want my main site on the status page. I want my support page on the status page, whatever you want. You know, they, it's not like an all or nothing, if I remember correctly. But you can have one of those cool, if you're wondering if our site is up, go to our status page. And I think they even give you a cool uh, URL as well. So uh, yeah, yeah, so you you can make your own URL up. Uh, they just host it for you, which is nice because if your system's down, your status page is probably down. So mm-hmm. they host it on their system. You get custom branding, uptime monitoring, um, and you even get a little blog thing that does incident management. So you can say, we are aware of the issues. We are currently addressing them this way and this way and communicate with uh, – your your customers so as and they're as integrated with nice. some great great things like pager duty victor ops ops genie alert ops what? twitter which <laughs> no longer exists so thanks honey badger thank, thank you, you very you, much badger. honey badger uh zombie slayer in discord asked does honey badger have a telemetry api Tel- telemetry that? telemetry what, what's that i don't know if they do and i don't it's isn't that isn't that measuring things over time? I don't know. 
I, I'm asking you what it is, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know what a telemetry API is. Oh, here we go. Uh, let's see, resource inherit configuration from parent resource. And I, this is not making sense to me. I don't understand. Zombie Slayer, basically, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. But you could email them and ask. They are friendly and would gladly tell you. Phoenix stats about your page load time. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they have that or not. All right. We, we've, try, we've already sold Honey Badger enough, Zombie Slayer. Go look yourself. <laughs> we, do, we do like it, though. I mean. Do. So I I have uh, a question for you guys. I've read this article and there's just one word over it that I keep tripping over. So the article is SEC public do- public companies must report cyber attacks within four days. Huh? Four days of them learning about it? Yes. So the U.S. Security and Exchange Commission has set a four-day deadline to disclose "Quote unquote material cybersecurity incidents." Uh, Thank you. I did not know that the attorney general uh, could potentially dis- delay that disclosure. If doing so, would provide a risk to the company or public safety. That's so what I was about to hard, say. Yeah, you're not hard stuck to that number, um, but you have to like talk to the attorney general to get that exception. But because question- I mean. Four, four days. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Tom. But no, no, no. Four days. I mean, if you learn about a vulnerability in your environment, you're basically saying you have to have this fixed within four days because you have to disclose it, right? I mean, am, am I not understanding that correctly? Or, I, or, I mean, you're right. That that would be crazy. To if you know something's happening and you don't have time to fix it and you disclose it, you're making it worse. Well, but the word here that's getting me is public companies. No, mm-hmm. we're not public, so right. Yeah. So, is this what, what just you about a, that? Is this just a rule that applies to people who are public on the stock exchange? It sounds that way. Yeah. What a strange rule to like. Why? Why limit it to companies that are that that are listed instead of just companies? Well, that, because I, pe- people are people are spending money on those stocks. And so if there's a attack or compromise on a company and that company tries to suppress that information because the they most. don't want their stocks to fall, it's that that's an issue. I and mean, you, you said a very good things. insight, Eric. Ah, Thank you. Is... <laughs> well, now it makes more sense why that's coming from the sec. I'm like, because right. when you said that, I actually looked at the article. I'm like, he must've said that wrong because uh, why would they be doing Something like that. And now it makes sense. Yes. Yeah. I have good insight occasionally. I'll say something stupid soon enough. Trust me. <laughs> Speaking of saying something stupid, I know, Eric, that you like chat GPT. I do. Have you been using it recently? Mm-hmm. So. Oh, shoot. I didn't use it to send out tweets. We didn't tweet today. Oh. Well, that might be. I can't get into my Twitter account or my X account, so we're all good. (laughs) Can you really not get into X account? I went to log in, and it's just like, no, I didn't go the next step of you know, forgot the password. But oh, yeah. Uh, Well, it might be good that you didn't tweet with ChatGPT because uh, Stanford University study 
has confirmed what some people are saying, which is that it's getting dumber. <laughs> that the the more it's interacting with people and uh, growing, its accuracy is getting way worse. In some cases, shockingly worse. Uh, one example was in, in March it had an accuracy of 97.6% when identifying prime numbers. But in June, its accuracy had gone down to 2.4%. You're right. Come on. Which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't believe that. It's a Stanford University study. Now, they came back and said, hey, any changes we made have been to improve it, not make it dumber. We haven't done something to make it dumber. Uh, and then each time, you know, each time we do something to it, it gets smarter and smarter. But it sort of raises the question of like, hey, if you start relying on this thing for answering questions and it starts getting really stupid, when do you realize that it's giving you completely wrong answers? How 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 different is that from and I'm not trying to justify it or, or it it's a concern, right? It's something we need to keep keep an eye on for sure. But how different is that from Googling something yourself and clicking on the wrong links, clicking on an advertisement link in a fake, a fake article or something like that. I mean, so it's mostly the tone of chat GPT, which is it's, it acts authoritative about things it knows nothing about. So when you ask it a question, it comes out and says, Absolutely, I know the answer to that. It was no, it Margaret doesn't. Thatcher. <laughs> it, it doesn't do that. It doesn't do that at all. Matter of fact, what it does do a lot of times will say, based on my last knowledge of the internet, which it was whatever it was, 2021 or 2020 or whatever, this is my understanding. It, I, I get that a lot. Uh, but yeah, it, I never get the impression like it, it's. 100% confident of its answer. It's much like me. I just, I'm not really sure. I just, I think this is right, but I don't know. I, I don't depend on chat GPT a lot, but it's more of, I, I want somebody to have a conversation with. And talk to and that's there. <laughs> when it comes to wording something or, giving ideas of like, give me multiple options on something. And then I get to pick and choose. Maybe I use one of them. Maybe I don't, maybe I combine a couple of them. Yeah. But I I, I do a lot of the, see, I have a hard time explaining myself. I tried to do so. I tried to explain something to John earlier this week and, and, and quickly got super frustrated with myself because I could feel that I wasn't explaining it correctly. And that's where I lean heavily on chat GBT where I'll say, okay, I have these words to say. And then what, and I'll, I'll ask it. I'm like, what more information do you need? And it will say, well, it sounds like you're asking me this, you know, what, and then it'll pop off a few questions for me as somebody who has trouble, uh, you know, getting thoughts out of my head and explaining them to, to other people, chat GBT is like a- almost an aid to me because I can, I can try to explain it to chat, chat GBT and then get a better understanding of the points I'm missing or 
the things I'm brushing over that I shouldn't be brushing over. I use ChatGPT a lot like that, a lot. It's been helpful for me. I I, I do. I do like it. I, I, I'll i be honest. I, I like it. I don't use it so much for coding. Um, I try every now and then. Uh, somebody in our Discord uh, shared a a Python uh, pl- um, install, pip install, that you could run on your machine and interact with ChatGPT and, and create code, you know, like, as you, it's meant to be like an, a a pair programming situation where you're talking to it and it's writing the code and you're changing yeah. stuff and it fixes it. In watching the video on it, I'm like, wow, that that is pretty cool. Like, I'll I'll try that. And I installed it and it didn't work. I'm like, well, I'm done. <laughs> so that's uh, that's part of uh, PHP Storm's newest release is the the communicative co-programming functionality. The JetBrains AI, which works very good uh, i use that <laughs> we we're talking about shift shift that's the one that's the thing i use shift shift for because i don't know where the hell that that window is in the menus now i i i found it and mapped it to uh i mapped it to a uh them binding so i i have it very handy now but i was using shift shift because i didn't know where it was i didn't know how to pull it up so i do shift shift and just say you know ai <laughs> It would pull it up for me, but it works well. Uh, the thing I like about PHP Storm is you don't you don't have that added step of sharing your code with the AI so that it can it can kind of generate code for you. You just pull up the AI interface and say, "Hey, I need to add this to this class," and it assumes the file you have open is the one you're talking about and, and helps you. So I like it. Be nice I don't use it that much. So. Some line files. What's that? It'd be nice for me. I have some 10,000 line files. I'd like to get help with sorting through. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, but the, the interesting thing to me is that this, all this large language model stuff is new, very new. And there's not a lot of understanding about how it really works in the long term what's going to happen with it so we could very well find out that large language models get dumber like that's just there's a there's some fundamental concept well and, and there's always the the there's always the very real scenario of people poisoning the well right i mean we've, yeah, absolutely. we've seen this before either knowingly or unknowingly we talked about and this was years ago now. This is how long we've been doing this show. We talked about it years ago about how uh, uh, artificial intelligence was, you know, actually being racist because the all the learning models that it had to like, let's say, you know, who's the best CEO, all the learning models it had was based on, you know, systemic race racism of years and years before so well, all that data it collected it was like okay well you must have to be a white guy to be a ceo because that seems to be what everything else has been it was an issue issue that actually came up this week as well uh an asian woman asked an ai uh graphics program to make her photo look more professional and it made her a white american woman with blue eyes 
And, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you run into with these these large language models. And we've sort of known about those issues, the sort of systemic issues with them for, uh, you know, a, a decade. Um, mm-hmm. But we're going to learn new stuff, too, about how these models get bigger and bigger and what they end up doing when they reach certain sizes that they've never reached before. You know, right now, we've got millions of dollars in these servers that are running these language models. But what happens when the performance doubles on those things and or, or, or just, just the scale of, of information. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, you've got all these people building businesses and companies around AI. It's like, you, you, you all should probably, you know, press the brakes on this a little bit. Yeah. Well, and you know, right now we have the concept of the uncanny Valley for visual things. We we can see something and say oh, that looks computer edited. It just doesn't look right. It's it's uncomfortable to see or you know, we can tell that that's a a fake human in the newest Star Wars that they dug up a model and made him talk and we don't have that for large language models yet, but I think that day is going to come where it's just that you sort of like feels uncomfortable gets wording things too you know, strictly or too loosely or, you know, we'll, we'll see how it uh, grows out, but it's interesting to see that, you know, institutions like Stanford are already researching what's going on with this thing that came out a few months ago. All right. We need to go ahead. Well, let me get this going. We need to uh, thank our supporters on Patreon. Bees. I've got bees. Thank you, patrons. Thank you, patrons. Do we have a new patron? No. Thank you, Mel. Um, yes, I did the bees just for you and to tie in with uh, everything oh, else. You. We The flow bee, the bee <laughs> coder of, uh, of Colorado. Springs. Now it all makes sense. I, t- I have showmanship, and that's why I'm the host. Don't you forget it. We, we thought we had a small crisis with the bees. Um, because when we looked into the hive, there was no queen. Uh, but it turns out that she the, was the on... The queen failed? I think she died. So it turns out that they, they had made a new queen, and she was on her mating flight and returned to the hive. So we now have a brand new queen. And Really? Geez. Return to the hive? Well, that's what they do. Well, not, not in my backyard they didn't. It depends I mean, on I'm how... Not traumatic the death of the queen is i mean i'm not unhappy so i i had bees in my compost and through all my reading i said you don't need to get rid of them they'll leave in a couple of weeks yeah granted it yeah. was it was six weeks when they they left on their own yeah so if they don't have a queen they won't make a new one but if they have a queen they'll start breeding new queens just in case uh, the their queen dies, so it depends on what the stage of the the hive was and stuff like that. Yeah, that that was what I was about to ask. I mean, did you did you like was there like an established hive there, or were, were they just like hanging out there? Who me? Yeah, you. Yeah, no, they just they moved into my compost bin and took oh. it over. Yeah, yeah. So that's a swarm that behavior, and what they do when when they do that is they're hoping that a queen will just find them and build a hive there because they don't have any way of repopulating without the queen. 
And they realized what a shitty neighborhood they were in. (laughs) (laughs) What's a trash in here, damn it? (laughs) It's a trashy place. That was funny. But watching them is is phenomenal because, you know, compost in general just heats up, right? And so it's in this plastic bin and it gets super hot. And there's just these tiny little holes that they're going in and out of. And you got a bunch of them right around. They're just fanning it, trying to keep it cool. It's kind of cool. <laughs> Bees are awesome. Um, I wanted to, real quick, at the end of last week's show, Sevi brought up a a library that they have written, uh, a JSON library. And I shared the, the URL in Discord. Just want to point out that it's available. I While you guys were talking about AI, because I don't care about AI, I was looking into it a little bit. And I haven't used it, but it looks like you can encode value objects as a JSON string. So whenever, currently when I need to encode a value object, I just use the PHP serialized method. But Sevi's got another way to do it. And if it's, if it's doing what I think it's doing, that's what it is. Yes. I asked if they're still around. Sevi, if you're in Discord, correct me if I'm wrong, but that seems pretty useful. Well, look at that. Somebody's somebody's already forked his project. I wonder who that could have been. Oh, it's me. That's right. <laughs> yes. I've been telling Sevi I was going to uh take a look at it and try to contribute if I could. Uh, but you know, we know we all know how much free time I have to do stuff like that and just haven't gotten to it. Um, last yeah. week or the or the week before or, or last couple of weeks, I talked about uh, Jess Jess Archer's package that she announced at Laracon called Prompt, and everybody went looking for this package and nobody could find it. Uh, there now has been released some documentation on it, but it's released on the Laravel website in. When I read it, I'm like, man, it sounds like this is just for Laravel. And I remember specifically in the presentation, she said she said this wasn't a Laravel-centric package. Fortunately, some very sharp eyes in our Discord actually read the documentation and noticed that the documentation does say um, uh, Laravel prompt, uh, where, where did it say that? Oh, here. Laravel prompt is perfect for accepting user input in your artisan console command, but it may also be used in any command line PHP project. Hmm. So I guess that the repo is just hosted. Like the, the, the documentation on the Laravel site says use to install it, it's composer require Laravel slash prompts. And, and now I'm curious, like, was well, that the install for everybody or is that the install for Laravel application and there's something else for everyone else? So I should go look at that because I have Sevi's repo open so I can just type in Laravel slash prompts. Well, from what I'm what I'm seeing in videos is just Archer unveiling Laravel prompts in Laracon US 2023. So sounds like it is Laravel prompts. It, it does say Laravel prompts in the repo. Um, Laravel prompts is a PHP package for adding beautiful user interface screen online applications with browser-like features, including placeholder text and validation. 
and it has that same that same line. Perfect for artisan commands, but can be used in any command line project. So I don't don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but maybe I'll just try to try to install it in a random project that I have, a uh, PHP project. But yeah. So that's out so, there. Uh, it'll be in our what, show notes. I know Jess Archer is a huge fan of our show, so I want to know how this differs from the console command input output, or does Laravel not use that? So again, this is not Laravel specific. I know this isn't supposed to be. I'm asking for but, Laravel. So commands. If, if, yeah. So it it's. There's a watch. Watch the video. She goes over a lot of this, but there's a lot of interactive sort of feel for it. It's it's that whole like you can do multiple selects or you can do like a drop down situation. Hmm. I, there's there's like a lot of um, normal like GUI. I guess is the word I'm going to use. It's like a GUI interface for the command line. Uh, for your command line scripts, I mean it's it's definitely it's definitely just added you know salt right. seasoning, right? It's, it's like sugar, it, <laughs> sugar, yeah, added sugar. It's <laughs> that explains the problem that I'm having with my cookies. Thank you, John. Uh, it it's not going to make your command line run faster or run better or do anything it can't already do. It just makes the user interface to it if you have one it makes that more palatable to non-geeky people or even Arch. for geeky people you know it's it's yeah. just nice i might i might look into it just for fun for archie that yeah i was thinking it would be good for archie well speaking of watching videos did you guys notice that uh laracon has dropped 16 of the presentation videos now from uh, the Laracon this year dropped in is in released or dropped is in deleted <laughs> <laughs> released. So the, the official, oh, Laravel, the official Laravel, uh, YouTube channel now mm. has, uh, it's gotta be all of them, right? I think it's all of them. Yeah. Like, um, I can't, I can't imagine they were more than that. So, so I, I've enjoyed uh, a few of them. State machines was a nice one. State machines. I think is one of my favorite ones what? for sure. Yeah, State Machines was really good. Jacob Bennett did a great yeah. job on that one. Yeah. Uh, what what's the uh, what's the Laravel YouTube channel? It's not Laravel. Uh, at Laravel PHP. Laravel PHP. Oh, okay. Because he didn't want to get confused with the normal Laravel. Yes. Because uh, it's not kissing not a real kissing word. Gonzo. Are you going to Discord.phpugly.com? Everyone should. That's the place to go. I get they're on our Twitch stream right now, and I guess the Discord link in there has expired. But where you want to go to is discord.phpo.com. Remember when we had that scrolling across the bottom of the screen, the whole video? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was last week. I promised we were going to have record numbers on our YouTube channel because we mentioned the brand new Glorbo operator. I thought that's I thought that's where you were going with the AI. I thought you were gonna say, oh yeah, it thinks that we have a Glorbo PhD <laughs> no <laughs> library. Oh I haven't I haven't been able to get that to catch on unfortunately. But uh, also have not delivered the promised record numbers for our video. 
Uh, Shocker! I am. I didn't even look. What is it? Eighty-four. Holy crap! That's actually lower than normal. Yes, it is significantly lower. Jesus. I don't know if it's lower than normal, but it's lower. Speaking of, we need titles for this week's episode. People in Discord. Titles. Titles, please. Yes, titles. So, Kissing Gonzo is saying that link is not working. It worked for me. It took me into Discord, but I'm already a member. So, I am not a good use case or candidate for testing that. Kissing kissing Gonzo. uh, Here, I will... Uh, well, yeah, I can post. I can post the invite link into Discord. You'll get it through Restream. I'll, uh, I'll do but that. They're, but okay. they're saying the, that the Discord.phpuglyone.com is not working. When I, I know, click well, on it, it took me I'm, right to Discord. Well, because you're, you're already in Discord. That's the thing, right? Uh, you're in Discord. It's so, working yeah. for me. You're in Discord too. <laughs> no, I mean, it's working for me on. I'm not logged in on my web browser. Yeah. Oh. But you're, it, but it's opening Discord, and you're logged in on Discord. Not for me. It's asking oh. ask me what I want to be referred to as. Oh, never mind. Uh, Kissing Gonzo, we don't know how Discord and Twitch work. Yeah, Bottom apparently. Line. All right, here I'm gonna I'm gonna let me find another Infinity one here. Here's an Infinity one. Here, uh, uh, all these are Infinity ones. Here, here's an Infinity one. All right, um, Gonzo. If you go to Kissing Gonzo says they're already in Discord. Oh well, then what the hell? What am I doing? I don't know. I was just sharing what they said. Here, Kissing Gonzo. If if, if you need to, there is a there is the code to join the PHP Ugly. That's basically what the Discord.phpugly.com URL redirects you to. It, it's to Discord.com slash this code. So that should get you in. Hopefully, it's. Uh, they said they're already in. That's the weird part. Anyway, yeah. I got. Yes. To fly anyway, today. I think. What's up? I got to fly today. That's why I'm kind of out of breath or sound funny. It was fun. Three three hikes up, three launches, three landings. All good. I don't understand. How long were you in the air? Six minutes each time. You did it's better than my six minutes. It's better than my two-minute flights. I mean, actually, I've, I've done things well worse for six minutes of pleasure. So, <laughs> All right, everybody. This it's has a, been PHP Ugly, episode 15, I Don't 15, Care. 15-minute hike up, six-minute flight down. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, that's going to do it for episode 346. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep it Keep up. Keep it up. One, two, one, two. Uh, coming off the top. Y'all know how we do. Listen, I'ma drop a freestyle you can cherish. I'ma send a shout out to the host named Eric. Yo, he's never on some average shit. You know, Eric, he stays loud and passionate. I'm about to break it down for y'all with the clever song. Yo, shout the host name Thomas because he's never wrong. Yo, shout to John. You know that he's smart and quiet. Unlike my freestyles, which cause a riot. I'm about to do it like this because the people love 
love me Shouts out to PHP The ugly It's called ugly Cause it's not professional But I'm about to come through And bless it with style So let's do it When I'm spitting I perfume the room Yo, the segment of the show Is called Doom and Gloom That came from Thomas Yeah, can nobody go beyond this I get the mic And then I'm about to keep it Like a promise Yeah, and y'all know We fill them up with anguish We talking about the PHP The programming language About to break it down No exaggeration What do y'all do for a living web applications okay i can dig it my words spray tight uh they getting together on the thursday nights yeah when it comes to rhyming you can call me the new dude i spew true lyrics while y'all broadcast on youtube so let's get it you know my lyrics are major all up in the comments they got plenty of haters but they doing what they doing keep it ugly we end in every show with the saying it's lovely let's go yeah come on